You're listening to Bridge the Gap Season 4, a podcast dedicated to inform, educate, and influence the future of housing and services for seniors. This podcast is powered by supporting partners, Propel Insurance, Inquire, LTC REIT, The Bridge Group Construction, and Salinity. Learn more at btgvoice.com. Welcome to Bridge the Gap Podcast, the senior living podcast with Josh and Lucas in Houston. More thought leadership conversations. Today is going to be a great topic on MA. We want to welcome Dan Revi. He is with Ziegler. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Did I say that right? I didn't. You did. Did I? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> well, good. Well, now that we've got that behind us, we're going to talk about uh, M&A transactions. A lot of conversations taking place here at the NIT conference. Um, and one thing that is uh, a big topic is like, where are we now? Pa- you know, we're kind of past this COVID era. We've got this hangover from COVID. There's, uh, you know, a lot of things still in play here. Many different topics. What is uh, a part of your conversations around the M&A market? Yeah, so the last couple of days have been interesting at Nick, with this being the last morning. And the overall tenor from the conference was was very positive. And I think it's partly because people are back to going to conferences again and it feels good. And I think it's back also because COVID is really, I think, at this stage in the rearview mirror in terms of transactions. Uh, when COVID hit, uh, we had a number of transactions, MA transactions in the market, as did lots of folks. And everyone really hit pause and we didn't lose really any transactions to COVID, but everything was paused for probably a good eight or nine month period until people could figure out, you know, get their, get their own house in order in terms of dealing with COVID and, and procedures. And then uh, the market started to come back around and and also lenders didn't, they just weren't comfortable in the COVID environment knowing how's this going to turn out. So fast forward to where we're at today, you have a combination of the transactions that were put on hold during mm-hmm. that you know, eight or nine month period, in addition to new transactions that are coming to market because they didn't want to come to market during COVID. So you really have almost, you know, not maybe not quite double, but significant volume relative mm-hmm. to historical trends. And, you know, it's so from a valuation perspective, it's also interesting because we see buyers all the time that are looking at different acquisition opportunities and they're looking at the trailing numbers and they're trying to figure out, well, how do I value this? Because if I look at trailing cash flow, it's, you know, it's not great uh, in trailing 12 months. And a lot of that has to do with COVID obviously. And, and they're now taking that COVID period and really essentially throwing it out. Uh, You know, they'll look at the 2019 numbers and then they're going to look at the trend. And as long as you're starting to have that curl back up to where you were at, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel and you can see where you can get back to that point you were pre-COVID. Folks are valuing it really at, at that level. Well, the one thing that I loved about what you said is we're looking at COVID and throwing it out. <laughs> if we could do that and just put it out of our memories. But no, in all, all reality, we learned a lot. And I think the pressure cooker that we've all gone through, we're going to come out stronger. I do love the, the positive vibe that we've heard here at Nick. Um, and I think that does have to do with a lot of people getting together in person. I can tell for myself, just seeing old friends, making new friends and the positivity just around that is refreshing. Uh, and so forward looking, uh, talk about like how you think underwriters, has anything changed uh, for the underwriting of deals, transactions moving forward post COVID or still kind of the same other than the financials throwing out the, the COVID period? <laughs> 
I think the the other um, dynamic when you're looking at valuations here recently is um, because the cash flows are obviously with the COVID unusualness in there, there's a little bit more discussion and attention on per unit or per bed pricing uh, and, and, and looking at values from that perspective rather than, okay, well, what's the cap rate? Because the cap rates on a weird cash flow period don't really apply. Mm-hmm. So that's, we're seeing a lot more of that as people are talking about values that they're talking more about per unit or per bed. Mm-hmm. Well, and on the, the transaction marketplace, as far as volume is concerned, uh, what are you seeing, not only the deals that were on hold and then the deals that just should have come but didn't, it seems to be some retrading going on um, on s- specific portfolios recently uh, in the news, the Eclipse uh, kind of transaction there. That's obviously, I don't know, 90 plus properties that presumably will be um, shifted around to regional players or a different operator. How are you seeing, um, which is, uh, you know, you've got that and you've also got some mom and pops that have been, you know, 20, 30 years in the business. COVID just was like, okay, this is it. I, I can't, I'm not doing this anymore. It's time to just retire. It's time to get out. And they're selling off five, 10, 15, 20 properties. Are you seeing that as a part of the volume increase as well? Oh yeah, definitely. We're, we're, we're talking to a couple of families and it would be like you just described, oftentimes, um, second generation or third generation owner operators that, you know, their, their parents or their grandparents started the business. And while they worked there and, you know, that made a good living and, and liked it and, and liked caring for, for the folks in their buildings, COVID hit and they just said, okay, this, I know too much. So we're, we're definitely seeing that. And the other thing I, I think with the, some of the smaller operators is uh, what COVID showed them is maybe we don't have the scale or, or, or over management oversight or sophistication that maybe we should have or needed to help us get through COVID a little bit better. And that's caused them to struggle. And so we're seeing some of those uh, smaller operators struggling and they're taking their, their buildings to market. Hmm. So talk about product service type, uh, where are there any trends? I know we've heard just through the grapevine here, um, everything from active adult, independent assisted memory care, new variations of combining all of those. When you look at M&A specifically, is there anything that's like the big new sexy product type that people are really going out after and looking like, hey, I want to acquire this type of product? Do you hear any of that? Well, active adult is definitely the the hot space right now. Uh, you know, there's conferences that are coming out just focusing on active adult, and it's kind of the, the buzzword uh, that we've heard here in the last couple of years. In terms of the, the products that seem to have fared the best through COVID, it was uh, the, the continuum, of, continuum of care campuses, so the CCRCs or, or life plan communities. Those occupancies stayed you know, pretty strong, stronger than a lot of the us, other asset types. And so they fared well. I, I think that'll transmit into folks rethinking what types of acquisitions they want to make, but we'll see. What about legacy properties? Do you still think that's something that people are going to be seeking after those value adds, turnarounds, legacy properties to flip those and try to repurpose? Yes. Yeah. We're working on a, on a number of value add properties right now uh, across the whole senior housing spectrum, skilled nursing up through CCRCs. And there's definitely value add buyers out there. 
And when COVID first hit, you know, there was a lot of folks that were looking for value add, but really almost vulture buyers trying to come in and swoop in and get something for, for, for really not much. And that, that buying group has now realized that that's not going to win the transactions anymore and maybe didn't even win it back then. So you are seeing folks that are coming in saying, okay, this is a value add and it's even a little bit deeper of a value add because of COVID, but we've got some capital. We're going to reinvest in the buildings. We're going to refresh them, modernize them and, and bring the occupancy back up as we, as the buildings recover out of COVID and, and yeah, then probably resell them in three to five years. So pull out the crystal ball. What do you think is the greatest opportunity for operators um, positioning themselves going forward? Right now that then, and everyone's talked about it, but the, the staffing issues are, are the toughest thing in operations right now. And so I think for operators to position themselves as the, as the employer of choice and really work on the best they can in terms of recruitment and retention is going to be important in the next year, year or two for sure. And there's different ways folks are doing that. There's technologies that, uh, that some of the employers are offering their staff as a recruitment and retention tool and making the staff uh, uh, work environment a nicer place to work because you're, you've got a lot of competition for people right now. Well, I, I love talking with you guys anytime we get an opportunity from Ziegler because you have such a global perspective. You work with so many great operators and developers on new product, on acquisition and turnaround. So you get to kind of look and see what's the best of the best, what's working across multiple platforms. At some point, we want to have you guys talk about the linkage funds as well, because that you were talking about tech. That's a great opportunity to have uh, vetted technologies um, that are legit, as I like to say. Um, they're not just in the startup phase. They're proven you want to touch any on that? And I know that's not necessarily what you're in every day, but I think that's a great program that Ziegler offers as well. Yeah. So the Ziegler linkage funds is, it's a really a unique idea where we have gone out and gone to providers. So senior living operators, owner operators, and pool them together. We've got a hundred of them in each fund. We're coming out with our third fund. They invest in the fund that invests in cutting edge technology and service companies that serve the senior living and long-term care space. So it's kind of a circular uh, uh, in terms of the service and the products. And what it allows them to do is get a first look um, at these technology and service companies that have already been vetted by the Ziegler Linkage Funds. And then there's uh, every Thursday or for about a 10-week period, we have uh, webinars during our uh, during lunch hour so that investors in the fund can see some of these companies that the fund may or may not invest in, but it, it's a, a very efficient way for them to get through all the tech and service companies out there uh, and really vet the ones that, you know, as you've said, have been productive and successful. Well, and Lucas, I mean, you've probably seen it as well. We talk a lot about it as an operator. One of my biggest challenges is just the emergence of so much new tech to our space. Yeah. And I'll tell you, when you're talking about uh, managing your time as an operator and in recruitment and retention of great team members and, and the occupancy challenges and being there to support your team and then having to go out and have 15 or 20 calls a week with different tech providers that all seem to be providing a, a similar solution. But, you know, most operators that I know don't speak tech. And I'm one of those. So to have 
specifically designed program services that meet those tech solutions that have already been vetted by hundreds of other operators and specifically designed for our industry. I think that's uh, really awesome. And I know we're going to make sure we talk more about that on our platform because I think that's a great resource to our listeners. Yeah. Absolutely. And Ziegler was also a big supporter of our VIP event that we had in Nashville. We're looking forward to 2022. Much more information about that coming out very soon. And Dan, we thank you for spending some time with us today. Well, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Safe travels. And to all of our listeners, you can go to btgvoice.com, connect with Josh and Lucas there, get on our social media sites, uh, download some of our content, and we want to hear from you. Thanks for listening to another great episode of Bridge the Gap. Thanks for listening to Bridge the Gap podcast with hosts Josh Crisp and Lucas McCurdy. If you were informed, educated, or influenced by this episode, we want to know. Leave a comment on social media or contact us in the show notes. Powered by supporting partners, Propel Insurance, Inquire, LTC REIT, The Bridge Group Construction, and Salinity. Learn more at btgvoice.com.